0: When you're an entrepreneur with a great idea, it can be daunting to find funding. Startup Raven takes the process out of your hands by helping entrepreneurs connect and learn about potential investors all in one place, without any long-filled forms or thousand questions. Sign up for early access at StartupRaven.com. Startuprad.io, your podcast and YouTube blog covering the German startup scene with news, interviews and live events. Hello and welcome, everybody. This is Joe from StartupRed.io, your startup podcast and YouTube blog from Germany, Austria and Switzerland. Today, I have another entrepreneur here in my interview. Hi, Lucas. How you doing?
1: Hi, thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm doing fine.
0: Totally my pleasure. We will soon talk about two things, meaning you and your startup as one piece. It's called Quant IP, And as you can already deduce from the name, it's about intellectual property, especially patents. And you brought us some exclusive data here that we're going to be going through in the second part of the interview. We'll make some neat graphics out of that, plus you'll be returning with an update on this data towards the end of the year. Yeah. And what, what I found most interesting is the tables have been a little bit turned. I looked into your CV. Um, as always, down here in the show notes, there is a link to our Medium blog, and there will be a link to your LinkedIn profile for everybody who would like to reach out to you. And I've seen you always jump between business and journalism. And you actually held a few journalistic editor positions. The last one I could find is with Finanzen Verlag editor in chief. Can you tell, tell us a little bit the journey, how you jump between those two and how is it to be editor in chief? <laughs>
1: so um, yeah thank you very much for for having me again i'm i'm happy to to start off with my journey um so originally i'm 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 an economist by by training so to say and after university i uh, went through a school of journalism to um start my career in financial journalism and i did that for 12 years overall we um I, i worked for within one company with Within several positions and different publications. But it was all about uh, financial markets, asset management with a, with, a, with a special focus. And I went up the ranks to uh, become editor in chief of a monthly financial magazine based here in Munich called Euro, which was uh, aimed at professional investors and sophisticated private investors. And um, yeah, I, I got the position at the age of uh, 34, so pretty young. And what I was, I mean, I think that the journey might be explained by why I took the the interest in journalism in the first place. For me, it was very much about um, getting to do something new um, in a very high frequency. And that journalism is just a fantastic field to do that. You jump into a new topic. You don't know next to nothing about it. And then you have to dig yourself into that and get a grasp of it. You hopefully meet interesting people. You learn how to distinguish people that tell you the truth and not the truth and partly the truth. Uh, I think you learn a lot of politics in big organizations and you learn about dynamics markets, and markets and you're very close to what's happening and I think that's a very fascinating place to be in still, although the you know journalism is a a hard, uh, hard area to, to start off as a, as a young person but at least back then it was as a perfect environment to learn a lot at a very fast pace. And um, yeah, the transition then to being an entrepreneur was uh, basically coming from the idea that um, I did an executive MBA program um, uh, with uh, the Stockholm School of Economics uh, back then. And of course, you're surrounded by people that do different kinds of things, some are entrepreneurs as well. And I thought to myself, okay, most likely I will not end up in the in the rim of journalism um, in in twenty five or thirty years down the road. So I want to do something new. And the next thing in terms of learning, in terms of meeting new interesting people, is probably being an entrepreneur. And I just had to wait to find the opportunity to to across this like a a topic that you know has enough that creates enough energy for me to, to make the jump. And, um, I found that topic with, uh, with patent information.
0: Mm-hmm. I, I would be a little bit curious, um, how you get into patents, but first, um, the newspaper you talked about, mm-hmm. Euro, um, I would say it's something, uh, similar to maybe Barron's in the, yes.
1: Yeah, probably yes. Mm-hmm.
0: Ah, okay. And, Okay, you, you, you've you been reporting on financial, financial markets, asset management related topic, um, meaning I would say uh, usually mutual, fu- mutual funds, um, institutional funds, stuff like this here in Germany, insurance asset management. Um, we're not gonna go into that. I worked there for years mm-hmm. and we could talk about for hours, but that's not our main focus of interest here. Um, I would be interested how you got from this into patents.
1: Yeah. Um, that's like probably one of the many stories you hear about entrepreneurs. It's about, um, meeting the right kind of person in the right kind of moment. So I went to, I think it was the Hong Kong Chamber of Commerce event. Um, that was like remotely interesting for me. I just want to go to for the food basically. And, um, I happened to sit at a table with an IP lawyer who just, um, um, went out from a, from a, seat at the partnership of a big firm um, to start his own IP analytics firm. Um, and that lawyer um, basically introduced me into the opportunities that the patent databases hold. And um, we immediately clicked. And from then on, we just worked on weekends on the idea of IP till we are ready to to launch the thing.
0: So uh, that that could also be um also be an interesting joke. A journalist and a lawyer get into a bar.
1: <laughs> exactly. Yeah.
0: I'm interested here. Um, what did spark your interest in those patterns? What was the f- most fascinating information you've gotten from there that sparked your interest?
1: Yeah. So my interest was sparked by the fact that um the. Things that I knew about patents, most like other people, were very superficial. So everybody has an idea what a patent is and how valuable it could be. And sometimes we read news stories about patent portfolios changing hands for billions of dollars. That, of course, makes it in the news. But other than that, it's a very closed world of IP professionals doing these kind of transactions. And dealing with intellectual property on that level. So what fascinates me till today, and I'm here in the the same camp with my CTO, with a uh, PhD in in, um, biological uh, informatics, it's the best man-made database that ever existed probably up till now. So what you are looking at, if you look at global patent databases, is a collection of all potentially commercial viable technical inventions that ever came about in the last 250 years. And this is just a tremendous treasure growth of information that you can now, of course, with the with the technology at hand, with, with the ML and, and, and other tools, you can digest, you can ingest in your processes, and you can make sense of it. And mm-hmm these, the high quality of the nature of the input just comes from the fact that these databases are filled by highly qualified experts in their specific fields. So we're talking about PhDs and chemical engineering and very specific parts that only Mm -hmm. monitor certain fields and are responsible for certain fields. And they only do nothing but check for new inventions coming on their desk, making sure they are classified correctly, making sure that they are, um, there's a, thorough process to investigate whether they are should be granted or not. And this is to the highest quality that you can think of. And um, that's what we are working f- with as, a, as a, on the base level for the last five years.
0: I see. And how did you decide to make a business out of that?
1: <laughs> yeah, I looked at, at some converging trends. So I looked at Asset managers and other financial institutions use, starting to use alternative data in their processes, be it for trying to generate alpha signals, trying to improve risk management, whatever. And I saw at the same time that there was a lack of in usage and a vast gap actually in usage of, of patent information, given the fact that more a higher percentage every year of value creation comes from intangible assets. So if you look at balance sheet, from 30, 40 years ago of, of the largest companies in the world. And you look at the balance sheet of the most, of the most valuable companies today, Apple uh, and co you see that uh, the vast majority of, um, value creation has moved to the side of intangible assets. And a big part of that, of course, is patent, and, uh, patents. And for me, it was kind of obvious that if more and more people would like, look at it that way, there was more de- coming more demand for a better uh, view on that, a better analytics on that part of the value creation process of companies, especially as it doesn't show up on the book value of companies uh, using the accountant standards as we have today.
0: You said that is one of the pieces you can use to forecast success of, of a company. How strong is this link? How much do the patterns, as far as you understand it right now? predict the success of a company
1: yeah it's when you look at the timeline of course it's um we're talking about patent publication which takes place about 18 months after filing Mm -hmm. by that time um, most of the patents are not yet in production in a product let's say that means we're talking about a leading indicator per se So those products have not been, you know, um, impacted yet by the patent publication you can look at Mm -hmm. and the revenues maybe take even longer than that. And of course, we have huge differences in terms of sales cycles, pharmaceuticals versus let's say consumer electronics and the shorter the sales cycle, the shorter the lead time of patent publications, the longer the sales cycle, the longer the lead time you have. So that's something very important to pile out in, in, in the first place. There are huge differences from industry to industry. And the same goes, of course, for the importance of IP for value creation. If you look at the one side, you have a biotech company, a young biotech company with zero revenues and a, maybe a treatment into a trial two phase. Everything will be dependent on the quality of the IP that they developed in the last two, three, five years. If you look at a, let's say, food company, that has a patent for certain um, process in producing, let's say, meat-like substances from peas, um, that is important for them. But other factors are also very important like brand value or access to distribution networks and so on and so on. So there's definitely a continuum of, let's say, importance for the business success uh, depending on industry that you're looking at. But you need to, Understand that it's not on the value of the data is not only in determining success factors. That's important very well, mm-hmm. true, but it's also about mapping a landscape and being possible, to being able to map actually those maybe food companies that are out there, um, because you're not only getting uh, the information from the patent databases that a company has filed for a patent application with a certain let's say indicator for strength and quality of the patent Mm -hmm. that we can deliver but also about in which areas this patent falls so you can see and track for example also large companies what are they up to and i think one very vivid example would be car suppliers these days are under tremendous stress to do the transformation into electric vehicles and probably the future of autonomous vehicles and, of course, if you look at the web pages of those companies as of today, you would see only things that are related to that. And if you ask a CEO, they are full in transition mode. If you look at the patent portfolio, you can actually track whether this is true or not or whether uh, the actual uh, you know, innovation still takes place in the old business. And um, whether this transition at the core of it that needs to happen in R&D and, and innovation is, uh, is in line with what the CEO uh, has communicated as a strategy. And I think that's a, one of the many, many use cases you can do just without looking at alpha signals or anything else, just using that information to have a weekly review of a competitive landscape.
0: We will soon get into that when we look a little bit on the startups in general. We just focused on GSA A here, um, but I would be interested in what QuantIP does, meaning who are your clients? Who would it be of interest for? Plus a little bit, um, where are you in your startup journey? And of course, are you open to new investors?
1: Yeah, sure. Um, maybe I can I can start with um, our offering at the moment. So QuantIP offers a um, basically three kinds of products at the moment. Number one would be data feeds. They are very much tailored towards the needs of systematic and quant asset managers out there looking for investments in in equities mainly. Um, We do have a API solution for thematic search, which we probably look at the results of those in a couple of minutes, uh, which is tailored to the needs of um, asset managers as well. So we have asset managers that go for themes And as well as uh, deal sourcing uh, capabilities for either PEVCs or banks, Uh, we now currently help a bank with deal sourcing as well because you can tailor the 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 output very much to the needs of the customer. So that's a very flexible Mm -hmm. product when it comes to the output and use case. And number three, we are currently selling um, pre produced, I would say, or automatically produced uh, company research reports that are putting together everything in terms of proprietary analytics that we come up with in the last four years uh, on a company level. And we are currently selling and distributing that through a couple of established platform channels and and third party research providers like um, Capital IQ from S&P, Refinitiv, Alphasense. So we use the platforms that already were uh, currently customers already consume research on, on single company level. That's mm-hmm. what we're doing right now. Um, we came to that point about to, to that kind of offering about 18 months ago. So the first couple of years, we were very much about building the software stack around that. And uh, we took also one to two pivots uh, as many startups do. But I think from from what we saw in the last 18 months um, in, in with the current offering, that's where we want to go. We saw a, an increase from zero customers in that to um, to, to two dozen customers. We are moving uh, from zero revenue to um, m- most likely closing in on break-even uh, or with a subscription model uh, and very favorable MRR and retention rates uh, within the next six to 12 months. So we really think it clicked now. And it also might be interesting for other uh, listeners here that this is a market who seems to be, it's not only us, uh, being successful here, we see a lot of interest in the market from existing IP uh, software and and data analytics providers. So there's a basically an oligopoly of three major providers globally, and one of them is very active, buying basically up uh, IP analytics companies uh, on a on a you would say monthly basis almost these days. So there's definitely something going on here.
0: Um, did they already reach out to you guys?
1: I don't know if I want to speak, but I speak. We speak to a lot of people. That's true. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Meaning, yes, they did. <laughs> I see. I see. I see. Um, going a little bit into what you guys are actually doing. So we we'll shift here a little bit between me and graphics. And mm-hmm. um, for that, let me quickly um activate the screen share here. Here we go. You brought us some data on patent filings, meaning this is a leading indicator because as you said, depending on the patent, it can take um, a year, a year and a half until you get it. But the filing is already official and in the databases. And that's what you're grabbing here. I've I've did some digging and I found a little bit over four hundred and sixty different categories and more than sixteen thousand patents we have here yeah. in in just this small sample you shared with us. Yeah. yeah what true. I found interesting is that there is not a big difference between Germany, Austria, and Switzerland here from the data we can see right mm-hmm. now. Um, I'm sure you can uh, elaborate a little bit on what this data actually is, how far it goes mm-hmm. back, and so on, and mm-hmm. uh, where it is source from. Um, I found less than 100 Austrian startups, more than 220 mm-hmm. Swiss startups, and almost 1200 German startups. But mm-hmm. on average, they have somewhere between five and 5.3 patents per company. Is, yeah. is, is that a good sign? <laughs>
1: I mean, first of all, it's very much about how we tailor the um, the sample that we're looking here at. So overall, we're talking about three to four million new patent applications per year uh, globally. And of course, the vast majority of that in terms of absolute numbers is coming from large organizations, with large R&D budgets, because filing for a patent just means that you... Uh, or have a manifestation or a data point that is pointing you towards an R&D spending that already has happened in the past. So it's al- already a business decision that you're looking at as well because you went through with the uh, money that you spend and also took the money out to file actually for a patent application for your invention. So we, what, uh, what we put together here for this podcast is a look at the uh, Dach region uh, in terms of um, startup activity and, of course, uh, we need to to close down the, the universe on uh, startups and we did that by looking at companies that filed their first patent application in two thousand eight uh, 2018 or later. Mm-hmm. So those are young companies and we looked at companies with a invention portfolio. So patent and invention is slightly different. Invention is the thing is the new thing and the patent is the protection for that. You can have more patents uh, based on one invention, then one, one would be, you're securing your patent in one jurisdiction. If you then go to, let's say, from Germany to the US, you need another one. Um, then you have two patents, but you have one invention. But invention is actually the innovative step, and that's what we want to measure. And what of our, mm-hmm. cu- most of our customers actually want to measure. So we mm-hmm. took, uh, a sample from three to nine inventions. Um, that would be companies, young companies with three to nine inventions in the portfolio currently. That's our startup definition for this, um, for this purpose here. We can argue about back and forth about this, but I think it gives you already a pretty accurate picture of what's going on. Mm-hmm. And, um, looking at, at your result, you, yeah, it's a, the average is five. So I think for a five year old company, an average, say, a four year company managing to, um, file for invention every, uh, 10 to 12 months, it's actually pretty good. Um, for let's say some areas, it's even tremendously good. Um, we can talk about that later. Um, but mm-hmm. yeah, the average here, it, you cannot do magic numbers here. It's not like you have a variance of a factor of five or so that there are some companies who are like t- filing 20, um, mm-hmm. inventions per year. That's simply just not possible if it's with a small team. Um, it just takes money. To, and, and time to produce inventions that actually w- go through a patent and hopefully a patent grant as well.
0: Mm-hmm. And in
1: terms of difference here, if you look at uh, Switzerland and, um, and, and mm-hmm. Austria and Germany, you see there's. I mean, you see a, if mm-hmm. you look at if you look at the numbers in terms of this market size or uh, po- population size of the countries, you see that Switzerland, on a relative basis, is a little bit stronger than Germany and Austria. A little bit falls behind that, but. It's all very much in line, and this is no big surprise as the, I would say, startup um, and um, I would say business structure of those countries are, is pretty similar. You would definitely see bigger variations if you go to, let's say, Greece or other European countries that are, that are more different in terms of the structure of the economy.
0: Mm-hmm. What I found interesting, we, we'll soon go through uh, like the top filings in our sample we had um, per country. But what has been leading the charge Switzerland everybody has on top of their mind, the banks, the chocolate, uh, the watches, and all of that, but it was actually biotech patents that is uh, reigning supreme there.
1: Yeah. I mean, especially in Switzerland. And of course, you have large pharmaceutical companies in Switzerland. And the innovation, as in many industries, really is hard to keep up in large organizations. So it's no surprise that you see a lot of people maybe moving out of, let's say, um, Novartis and um, starting their own company with a little bit of experience and money. Or you have people right from university going there and later sell this idea to one of the big ones. So outsourcing innovation has been taking place in the pharmaceutical, obviously, for quite some time. And it's Mm -hmm. no wonder they have some sort of ecosystem a lot of funding, a lot of exit opportunities for founders and entrepreneurs in Switzerland, especially. But also, of course, in Germany with uh, a couple of bright spots, I would say um, that in, in biotechnology that uh, make up for some big innovation gaps that Germany might have in other areas. So
0: what comes uh, to mind is, of course, BioNTech here close to me in Mainz. Um, it maybe that is something the, the the geographical distribution we can talk about uh next time when you come back hopefully towards the end of the year late fall early winter and um i did also dig through your data and we have rising stars in the application of patterns meaning that moved most spots in your 2022 ranking um number one is analyzing material properties. Can you give us a very rough, short idea for like um, business majors? (laughs) What is behind that?
1: Yeah. So what we're looking here is uh, the most filed uh, areas. Um, And again, this is one of the key advantages of patent information that you can uh, leverage a um, existing system of classifications with more than two hundred or 300,000, depending on what definition you take, let's say 200,000 categories that are um, defined, maintained by absolute experts, very stable over time, and is very good to to use for, especially long-term trends and so on. So if you're looking at analyzing material properties, that sounds very broad, and it is, and that's probably also one reason why it's spot number one in the last uh, um, five years. So if you want to that's very much a, a pharmaceutical biotechnical um, area Probably say 80% of that is coming from from that business lines but of course if you do think about material properties for example in battery technology or in uh, wind turbines that we need to mm-hmm. you know have a different um um we, we need to to have very interesting properties of those blades that we put up there in 150 Mm -hmm. meters, especially in in wind and rain out there in in the offshore space. There is, of course, an interest in material properties from chemical properties in almost every application out there. So there's no wonder that is um, on that level showing a very high count here. And of course, there's always a way to dig deeper so you can go as granular as you can imagine. And then we would probably know uh, where things are at. But of course, with um, electrolysis um, coming later on, talk about it, but but battery technologies, there's always something with material properties to that.
0: Mm -hmm. Medical preparation, what would that be? That is number two, have been losing the top spot in 2022 to analyzing material properties, medical preparation.
1: Yeah, medical preparation sounds very boring, but it's actually Thinking about um, cancer treatment, it all starts, for example, with uh, detecting the cancer. And most of the time, it means you have to take a, some sort of tissue from your body and analyze that. And before you can analyze anything, you make sure you have that preparation ready. Um, there's one startup, of for example, from Munich that has grown tremendously in the last three years. Just just closing that gap and a value chain and making that more precise and more scalable. Um, um more error uh, or less error prone and uh, preparing uh, stuff before and analyzing stuff is super hot in terms because diagnosis is a very hot topic at, you know, over the last 10 years, just mm-hmm. think about uh, all the kinds of uh, analysis that we need uh, for fighting the pandemic. And mm-hmm. uh, without a clean preparation process for that, uh, it's nearly impossible. And that's basically like like data science as well, 80, 80 to 85% of the work is done on the quality of the input and the analysis is more the icing of the cake. So um, that's why medical preparation is at the core of everything that you do in biotech and, and pharmaceuticals, or not everything but a lot.
0: In light of the pandemic, that is not surprising. Number three is data, digital data processing with no change. That has been number three before. What came to mind here was big data and analytics. Is that a sure about
1: digital data processing? Is a giant field if you look at the um, absolute size uh, of it, and um, it's no. Surprise! I would say that digital data processing as a technology that is important for so many other fields. A, um, uh, uh, a pr- I mean, it's very hard to to imagine inventions in many fields without any link to digital data processing. So it's mm-hmm. um, no surprise that it's there as well. Large, of course, the large company, uh, large funding numbers come from large companies here as well like uh, in Germany, SAP, probably, and so on. But um, a lot of startups, of course, are in this field. And everybody who does something digital with a little bit more than data shifting around um, will be found in this digital data processing theme.
0: Mm -hmm. What I found interesting is optical elements and systems rising 10 spots to number four. Um, What I had in mind is something like um, lasers. Yeah.
1: So I think there are a lot of things that go in there. Um, it is um, probably, optical element sounds more like uh, something like, like in the laboratory. There are still some advancements there. That's true. But I think the vast, um, you know, growth in applying optical sensors into everyday items from cars to, I don't know, mainly cars probably, of course, in terms of growth rates, but there are more cameras out there ever than ever. And there will be, there are more autonomous, um, autonomous, uh, cars and, and, and devices and, uh, flying, uh, objects out there than ever. And all these need some sort of optical elements to that. And of course, a lot of this probably is linked to, or you would probably see if you do some interconnection with that, a lot of that is more software heavy than you might think. Because a lot of advancements in, let's say, your, the quality of your phone um, equipment in terms of the camera comes from advanced software rather than advancement at the physical level of the lens or So the lens, mm-hmm. of course, is something that is very rarely I- improved these days. But what you do with the digital picture of that, that you take from this lens, that and what software can do with it, that's something which saw tremendous growth in the last couple of years.
0: And number five is the shaping techniques rising two spots to number yep. five. What I had here in mind, because we had an interview guest, is, for example, nanostructures. Would that be something mm-hmm. going in there?
1: Could be. It also leads to additive manufacturing, because you need to do ah, shaping a little bit at printing. the end. That mm-hmm. might be true. Um, but, I mean, we have a strong manufacturing bone in Austria, Switzerland, and, and, um, a backbone of the company and in Germany as well. And so shaping is still important. So if you look at the precision mm-hmm. tools that Germany and, and Switzerland and Austria is famous for, this has a lot to do with shaping stuff to a level that is higher and then increasing efficiency in a, in a, for a drilling system by 10, 15% or so by doing that. So this could be also some, I would say, old tech, um, Mm-hmm. So business businesses that or areas where shaping sounds old, but still is very relevant.
0: Okay, and then I went through the um. Rain top 50? <laughs> the senders in the top 50? Yeah, exactly. Um, it, it, uh, due to all the uh, numbers here, the top 50 spots were split sometimes and actually we have 53 numbers mm-hmm. in there. That's why some have an asterisk. Um, mm-hmm. What is the most interesting here is for me, for example, rising 56 places, conveyors and shoots. That is something. I would either play, uh, put in at a cashier, we put um, the, 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 all your groceries uh, mm-hmm. from the shopping on there or the shoot. Yes, of course, I'm a parent playground. I, I was not sure what to expect behind that.
1: And I have to tell you, I have no clue actually what's behind <laughs> that because you have to go so much into detail. And there's also, I mean, for, for many things that we that we look at, there's always a gap between the patent, the patent application mm-hmm. and the actual application of that. So just by reading the patent, and I don't know if you ever touched a, a original patent document, it's a very hard read for non IP professionals, I would say. And the reason for that is that the main objective of the the one who's drafting these is to hide what it's actually about. So, and, and that's why it's, it's, it's very technical, of course, but it's also deliberately written. So it's very hard to find for anybody else what this is about and where which product this goes into or is supposed to go into. And that's why a lot of our customers, especially look at venture capital, for example, they need context to, the, to our in- information to actually make even more sense. So you need to leverage that with other sources of information, qualitatively or quantitatively, to actually make sense of this if you go that deep. Right, and we could just cannot do that. So we have one thousand IPC classifications on the very basic level that we track. So there's there's no way for me to keep up with all those uh, inner inner workings.
0: Actually, we we have both been. Uh interested in that. You sent me over an Excel sheet, and I was thinking, huh, that is some interesting data. But what does it mean? And that's exactly the point we are getting at here. And that's why we want to do uh, this on a regular basis. Um, is there in the noteworthy ascenders in the top 50 any anything where you can add, for example, something to the information we have there, to the classifications, and where it comes from?
1: Um, I mean, what is clearly... Uh, what we, There are some connections here you can see. So image data processing and pictorial communication, that's something's pretty clear. I think that the advancement in the last couple of years in uh, AI models that are able to create pictures and then let uh, basically computers communicate through pictures... That is a field of, that is definitely growing. And um, it's not, it's rarely just one field that is growing. It's more associated fields that are growing with it. If you look at um, number 31, electrically conductive connections, and uh, 15, measuring electric and ma- magnetic variables, that's very much around uh, electric motors, right? Um, mm-hmm. And there's a definitely a rise in interest into that. It's not so much the motor itself, where we all know from school that they're already, very very efficient (laughs) and it's very easy Mm -hmm. to put something very efficient even i i think uh, when i was young put together in in class but um of course there was always new materials new conductive connections and and measuring here electric variables is important for um for example um thinking about load times for batteries when to load how to load efficiently load batteries That's stuff that is, um, of course, a lot happening, especially in the the startup phase where, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, before things go into the mega factories of of Tesla and so on, they are developed in in small labs and, and smaller companies.
0: And getting the batteries charged of an electric vehicle in the same time it takes to fill up a tank of gas is something that is a major piece of being um, a completely electrical, no more combustion engine mobility out there. And that's I, why I do believe there will be some additional research here. We, we are running, unfortunately, out of time <laughs> for our recording. Sure. Um, I have three more graphics that I want to go through. One of them is the patent ranking for Germany. Of course, you can all see down here in the show notes on yeah. our, our blog post. The emission reduction in energy is the number one in Germany. And of course, the digital data processing, the materials we talked about, packages and containers is something I would put into logistics.
1: Yes, that's true.
0: Um, Then we have Switzerland. Totally no surprise. As I said, biotech and related areas rule the field. Medical preparations, number one, through Portugal chemicals, number two, and diagnosis and identification, number three, and analyzing material properties, if it's related or not is the next one, and digital data processing, of course, also used in the medical field. I found yeah. this very, very interesting because if we put it together, it makes up almost 50% yeah. of the patent filing there.
1: That's definitely, and so you see Switzerland, the most of the focus in terms of theme. Definitely. hmm Yep.
0: And? Austria would completely and utterly surprise me here is the top classification windows, doors, and wings. And I yes. have totally no idea what that means.
1: Yeah. The thing is that um, people, it's a good example of um, that you can find innovation everywhere. That's very. I mean, everybody's talking about the two, three things that come into mind when about what is really innovative. But mm-hmm. um, Windows Doors, and you see already, um, I think there's finishing works on buildings, number six or seven. So that's, that comes in, in line with um, a good history and Austria of very successful um, real estate uh, and building companies, basically. And if you think about it, it's not as easy just putting a heat pump, for example, into your home and make it – Uh, more green to heat that with a, with a renewable energy and renewable, um, electricity. But you need windows that, uh, shut out the, the coal from outside, but still are making sure that you're not, you know, um, eating up by a fungus. (laughs) So it's, it's not that simple. And we, and we see very hands on innovation going on in many, many areas where people wouldn't expect it and sometimes mm-hmm. if you have an, uh, an a country like austria which is small but has a, a part of some two three really big players in in building uh you can mm-hmm. see a a sound um, startup theme around that and uh you see the results here with some interesting um fields that you would not uh connect with innovation and patents um right away
0: Fortunately, we have to say goodbye here. I'll add some of the data and additional graphics to our blog post. Everybody who would like to learn more. Uh, go on our Medium blog, link here down in the show notes. And of course, Lucas, we will have you back towards the end of the year. Thank you very much. It was a pleasure having you. And thank you for the exclusive analyzers here.
1: Thank you very much.
0: Bye. That's all, folks. Find more news, streams, events, and interviews at www.startuprad.io. Remember, sharing is caring.